Our scripture comes from 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 17. But understand this, that in the last days there will come time of difficulty. For people will be lovers of, lovers of self, I'm sorry, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. But as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings have happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystria, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is, God, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mary. Um, Hey, with the, the kids in Kids Church, the younger kids, uh, there's no shame if you want to move closer to a fan or any of that stuff, too. Um, we tried to, uh, there's just a blessing in air that's moving. So, so feel free to move around if you need to. Uh, it's, it's good to be together. I mean, this is just blown away, sometimes waking up knowing um, it's going to be warm and, and just things that you could be soaking in water somewhere um, for us to gather for us to turn our hearts towards God, for us to grow. Um, you know, I, I've heard stories of people in underground churches in China and other places that, that go through so much to gather. And compared to them, this is effortless. Compared to them, like, it's, it's very easy for us to come together. And it's also a blessing to say, like, I, I, I need to come. I, I must be there. I, I must hear from God. We, we must hear from Him. We must be changed. I, I don't want to play at church. I don't want to play religious games. I want to meet the man. I want to together walk with the man and, and have us be changed as we do that. And so today, what, what we've been looking at are different distinctives that by God's grace, we could say uh, our church, we're getting ready to start our third year as a church here on Labor Day weekend. And as we look at going into our third year, or hopefully, Lord willing, going into our 30th year, our 50th year, 
saying, what are some things that should always define us as a group of people? And really, even in the sense of saying, if these things ever just like flat out stop defining us, would we please shut this thing down? Because it's become what it should not become. And, and what are some things that should define us? And so we looked at being gospel-centered should always define us as a people, that our focus is on Jesus. He is what we are centered on. If you hate Jesus, you're going to hate this church. Um, but please come, because a lot of people have hated him that then came to love him. So, so please come as we center this, Lord willing, on him. Uh, would we be empowered by the Spirit, seeing that, man, we're just playing games until he actually empowers us for true change, and he, and he does. Uh, would we have a rural vision as a people? Would we believe that God does do big things in big places? And so one of the reasons we're going to Kansas City is believing God does big things in big places, and uh, which is, a you know, if you live in Mumbai, India, Kansas City is a small town, but, uh, but Kansas City is a, it's a, it's a big urban area. God does big things in big places, and he does big things in small places. And we have a vision because like, we've been able to see him do that here and see him on the move. Um, so today, we're looking at a, another facet of like, Lord, would this always uh, be us? Would this grow in being more and more us? And I've struggled with how to describe this because it's, um, it's about the Bible and it's about our relationship to the Bible. So, and w when I was growing up, I think I respected the Bible. The, the Bible felt special to me and it felt a million miles away, felt totally inaccessible. Um, it was like something that I felt like I should know, felt like I should read, and, you know, just, I can't get there. Um, so, like, we could say, would we be a people who genuinely know the Bible? Would we be able to win Bible trivia? Would we be able to know the Bible? We could say that we want the Bible to inform our church. But I feel like that's, both of those things are missing what I think we should be about as people. Um, we could say... Let's be people who honor the Bible. But the challenge with that is you can honor it while it's on the shelf collecting dust. So we don't want to just say that we want to be people who, who honor the Bible. It's, it's more than that. It's closer to that of, I think, the way that the Lord desires for us to flourish, the desires for us to be alive. And so, so the way we're wording it today is that would we be people who have Scripture on our souls? W would we be a, a Scriptured soul people? Like even 20 years from now, um, would we be people who, yes, we read the Bible, but the Bible reads us? Our lives are an open book to the Bible and to the Holy Spirit teaching us the ways of God designed for our flourishing through His words. Um, and getting to the soul is that level where, because what can happen is be like, oh yeah, I know all the Bible stories. And maybe our life isn't, like that's a real surface thing. But if it's like, yeah, Scripture 
is being written on my soul on a continual level, I feel like that gets us to like those deep desires, you know, like our deepest passions, our deepest longings, our, our deepest desires, our deepest fears. Like would we have Scripture being etched on our soul there and not just speaking to it, like not just speaking to our deepest passions, not just speaking to our deepest fears, but forming them. And I think that's like the depth that Scripture has for us is that, that God would use His words to form our deepest longings, to form our deepest passions, to change us, to guide us, to bring life to us, to empower us. And would we be people like this? So I'm not pulling this out of thin air. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, as Mary just read through, 2 Timothy 3 is where we're going to be walking through this. We have uh, Bibles over on the Connect table there. Feel free to grab one. If you don't have one, it's yours. Um, Feel free to underline it, mark it, put dates next to things that you're trusting God with. Uh, We'll have Scripture on on the screen too. You can get on your phone. 2 Timothy 3 is where, where we'll start unpacking all this. It, uh, 2 Timothy 3 brings us all up to speed on what we're talking about, how to view Scripture, and we'll start uh, in, in verse 1 and see. So what verse 1 is, is it paints a picture of what life is like without the Word of God and without God. So what if we just, planet Earth doesn't have God and planet Earth doesn't have Scripture, what do our lives look like? And this is verse 1. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self. There's no God, no word of God. You will become a lover of self. And, of course, like, I don't mean we should all have the worst self-esteem in the world and be like, let's leave hating ourselves, you know. I don't mean that. I mean we love ourselves over anything and anyone. We love ourselves more than we love God. We are, if you ask, what are you about? I am about me. I love me. That will dictate a person. Lover of self, a lover of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. When a community is built on pleasure instead of on truth, when a community is founded on what makes me happy over any other things, it becomes a race to the bottom. And we've seen this over and over and over again in history too, a race to the bottom of a life where someone is a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. A uh, great quote that uh, has just rocked me for many years now since I came across uh, this guy named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. So Solzhenitsyn won won the Nobel Prize, um, gave a famous Harvard address in in 1978. Um, Solzhenitsyn, though, grew up in Russia, 
and the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution, um, I'll read this quote in a second, so I'm going to set up this quote. So, uh, but the Russian Revolution and the French Revolution were founded specifically as atheistic revolutions. So they were going to revolt against societies that would even pretend to be founded on anything connected to God. So the, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution were founded as, as being anti-God in their DNA. Uh, then in the, during the time of World War II, Solzhenitsyn ends up getting arrested. He's not a Christian, uh, then, uh, but uh, a Christian doctor. So he's in the gulag in Russia, which is a famous brutal prison. He ha gets cancer in prison. And so he's in the cancer ward, and a guy comes up to him and just starts sharing Jesus with him. His doctor, the doctor in the middle of the night, starts sharing Jesus with him. And uh, Solzhenitsyn said it was like the words of a dying man, like pouring water onto a dry soul. And uh, Solzhenitsyn woke up that morning to that doctor had been beaten to death that night after he shared with Solzhenitsyn and was being drugged out of the, the prison there, out of the gulag. Um, but Solzhenitsyn became famous for the saying that the most powerful thing in the world is just one word of truth. Because if, if, man, if, if you are told just, if you're sold a bill of lies and you're just told lie after lie after lie, if you get one word of truth, that can become your North Star that you're able to, to figure out everything else around. And so uh, Solzhenitsyn writing as one who had given his life to Jesus was, was in many ways credited to uh, him and Reagan and, and just a few people with bringing down that whole way of thinking. Uh, Solzhenitsyn, though, on this lovers of pl pleasure rather than lovers of God, Solzhenitsyn gave this at a speech um, in the late 70s. He says, more than half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation of the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Since then, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I've read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people known to be dead uh, during this, 60 million of people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. And when, when pleasure, it all started with Let's try to form a society of pleasure. It was a race to the bottom. It's fleeting when it isn't first coming from a relationship with God, defining how we are made to flourish and to have joy-filled lives. So, like, if you ask me as we get ready to go on this trip to Kansas City, like, if you ask me, Tim, what are you wanting to accomplish in Kansas City? And if my response was, like, I'm looking for pleasure, personal pleasure. That is my number one goal in Kansas City, personal pleasure. You'd be like, 
man, I'm not sending my kids, <laughs> you know, like, because that, like, if, if this is all going to be about Tim and Tim just having a good time, like, where does that lead us? And who gets to define that? And, and all of these things, that would be bad. That would be very selfish. It's not what's best for us. It's not what's best for me, for how the Lord de- 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 designed me to function. And without Scripture directing our souls, I'm a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. Then verse 5 takes us even deeper into what our lives look like without truth. If truth is not directing us, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So you might be like, oh, we all look like good religious people. And it's like, man, if I'm not rooted in Christ, rooted in Scripture, I'm going to maybe look that way and be an empty suit, be a hollow tree giving the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, Paul says, for among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. These are people who, when they hear the truth, they always have another question. They always have a rebuttal. They think that they know better than what God has shown to us. People who are always hearing, always learning, but they're, able, they're never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And this might not be intentional. It, it might not be like, yeah, that's what I am. You know, it might not be intentional, but maybe when you look in the rearview mirror, it's like, I listen to my voice. I listen to the voice of maybe some, some of those around me and I don't listen to God's voice. Or maybe I listen to it, but it's like fifth in the list. And, uh, and sometimes it's like God's saying way better things about you than you're saying about yourself. You're saying all these guttural things, and he's like, you have any idea what I am doing for you, the way I see you. You're my daughter. You're my son. All that I have for you. Always thinking possibly having the truth, but you're not receiving truth from the hands of our God. And what He invites us to is to be formed by His way, to be formed by His words. If if we're not being formed by His words, we're never planting our lives in the soil of Scripture. We're never placing ourselves in His hands for Him to, to lead us in the life that He has for us. Then verse 8, eight, just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. I think a, a life in a community which is ignored, minimized, rejected, the life that's found through Scripture, um, it might not look as bad as verses 1 through 8 but it's on that trajectory. And just know, like, man, if if I'm living for my pleasure rather than the pleasures of God, I'm going down that road. And now we get to pivot. Paul is going to show us the many life-giving, powerful, glorious formations with Scripture being written on our souls. So look at verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching. And, man, just those two words, you, however... It, like, I feel like that's hopefully our story and will be our story is like, man, 
a lot of verses 1 through 8, part of my story. Is you, however, a part of your story? Is the, man, all these things used to be true when I just lived for myself. However, there was a turn. However, there was a change. And look how Paul wrote, you, however, have followed my teaching. I love right out of the gate how Paul is writing this to Timothy, who's just planted a church in Ephesus, and he's saying, Timothy, I taught you the words of God, and you followed them. I mean, that's just clarity. Sometimes, like, in the fog of war, just having absolute clarity. You know, like, how clear to say, hey, when we met in community group, and we walked through the first half of the book of John, and we taught each other the book of John, you are following that. You're following that teaching. It's, be, it's not just like, oh yeah, that sounds good, uh, then moving on and, and letting Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those things write themselves onto our souls. But instead, it's like, man, we're letting Scripture be written as we, as we teach each other as community group, as we teach our kids at kids' church, as we teach our kids the Word of God at home, as, as we read the Word of God ourselves throughout the week, as we learn from each other, you, however, have followed my teaching, not just on the surface, but deep in our lives, directing our thoughts, our behaviors. The Word of God is taught, then it's followed, and that is powerful. I mean, I had to ask myself this week, am I being taught the Word of God, and am I following it? Like, am I following what I am learning? Am I resting in, in, the, in the power of that? Look at verse 10 again. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. You know the saying, don't do as I say, not as I do? Paul's saying the exact opposite right here. <laughs> so we should never say this in the church. We should never say, hey, just do what I say, listen to what I'm teaching, but don't watch my life. Now, now the beauty is we need our kids, our friends, to watch our broken lives, right? Our goal as a church is not to perform and to be a finished product for people. It's like, watch me as Jesus takes a broken up sinful person and changes me. And you're going to probably hear me apologize a thousand times to you because I am a work in progress. So Paul is not saying, do as I say, not as I do. Paul is saying, you know how I taught you? And then, I love this, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. The, the awareness that Paul has about his own life, about even his aim in life, his conduct, his patience, his steadfastness. You know, this is a guy who has murdered Christians. So it's not like, well, Paul, it's probably easy for Paul to be Paul. This guy's come a long ways. 
and for him to tell Timothy, like, hey, you were watching me, and here's all the things that you were watching in me as I'm teaching you the Word of God and as I'm seeking to have the Word of God etched on my soul as well. And man, I, I want to tell my kids that. I, I want to tell my kids, like, hey, you know my aim in life. You know my conduct. You know my patience. You know my lack of patience, so then you know that I'm wanting to grow, and you're seeing me grow in patience. Like, I want to tell my kids that. I want to tell my friends that. I want to tell all of us that. And I want you to be able to say that too. I, I want this for all of us. And I think sometimes hearing verses like this, the default can be shame. Can just be like, man, I ain't Paul. And I can't say that. I can say like, hey, you, however, know my bad conduct, my bad aims in life, you know, my bad faith or whatever. Like, we can move towards shame when being invited, I think, into this. But, man, there's a huge difference, I think, in the Christian life between sorrow and shame. Shame makes you cower in a corner and hide from life and hide from people. Sorrow makes you apologize, say, I don't ever want to be like that again. I want Jesus to change me. Would you pray Jesus would change me? I want to be I want him to make me more like him, and I want you to see that, and I want that to, to, to I, I, want, I want then the people to see that in you, and to see your conduct, your aim in life, the things that Jesus is doing in your life, and man, it's not too late. If we are alive in this room, it's not too late. God, uh, Patty and I talk quite a bit, God seems to be the God of the 11th hour, on the like it's too late. It's usually like he works a little bit after that in a superpower. It's, it's not too late. He has us here this morning to move towards him, to say, yes, I want that. Yes, I want scripture to be written all over my soul. When God's word is forming us into God's people by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching us how to think, how to live, how to speak, how to endure, we can see the Lord's rescuing us. Other people see that in our lives. Verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's not be evil people. Hopefully no one's goal here is to walk in and be like, hey, I want to be an evil person. Let's not be evil people. Let's not be imposters. Let's not go on from bad to worse. Let's not deceive and be, and be deceived. Let's each desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, verse 12. Desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, because that's the only place it can be lived. It's the only place it can be lived is in Christ Jesus. So, yeah, this is a this is about our relationship with the Bible, which is about our relationship with Christ Jesus, that as we are desiring to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, the Word of God is informing that, empowering that, changing us, directing us, correcting us. We will be persecuted for this. It doesn't make any sense that following the Prince of Peace would lead to persecution. You know, how many times does someone say like, hey, I'm thinking about following Gandhi? 
kill him. You know, it's like, oh, that's, uh, that's really uh, enlightening of you to uh, consider following Gandhi or Confucius or something. You know, usually it's seen as being like, a, oh, wow, you must really be a nice person wanting to emulate Gandhi. Following the Prince of Peace, the Savior of all people, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't make sense, and it makes perfect sense because there are great enemies of darkness to try to snuff out the light. But man, when you turn the lights on in a room like this, the darkness doesn't even have a second to leave. It's just gone. Verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. I love that. Hey, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. And I love that the McCords are in there and others are in room, and they'll probably, you'll probably hear them screaming soon. I mean, like, Madison makes sure that they scream as loud as they can every week, and they are being acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. You say the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Scripture, not just the New Testament and the Psalms, Proverbs, but every one of the 66 books. Every one of the 1,109 chapters of Scripture are all breathed out by God into existence. Each is profitable for teaching us because we need to be taught. Each is profitable for teaching us. Each is needed for our reproof. So when someone comes up or you're reading a verse and you're like, man, I'm, I'm going down this road and Scripture seems to say I need to go down this road. It's like, yes, this is what happens. This is why we need to be having Scripture etching itself on its soul, because it's like, man, my passions are going this way. And I think Jesus is saying my passions should go that way. How dare He? It's like, no, that is being a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. But instead knowing the one who loves me and knows me and knows how he has made me to flourish, wants me to go that way instead of that way, thank you. Thank you. You, know, you, like, you don't get mad if a coach comes up and says, hey, you're swinging all wrong. Let me show you a different way to swing. Like if you're like, no, this is the way I like to swing, how dare you correct me? Or whatever the sport is. It's like, trust the one who knows better the way that we are to be. And so for him to even say that, that it's needed for our reproof, it's to keep us, to stop us from going down roads that we, should, that we shouldn't go down, but then to have us go down roads that we should go down. And each verse is needed for our, our entire lives to be entirely following him. We need all of us sharpening each other as God is teaching us His ways, as we are focused on Him, and as we are continually receiving His words for our good, to train us in being, uh, train us in righteousness, 
which is to train us in being right between us and God, that we can be complete. We can be a whole person, a healthy, whole, complete person equipped for every good work. So like going on a mission trip, I might be like, man, I'm going to go and just try and be really good and do really good things. It's like, that's probably not going to work well. But if I say, I want to be, uh, Madison this week, even on uh, earlier this week said, I want to spend a lot of time with the Lord this week so that my heart is where it needs to be for this mission trip, to, to be prepared for what the Lord's going to lead us into. And I was like, yes, yes. And that's true going on a mission trip, and that's true going to work tomorrow or, or going to the classroom or going to the team or going to our, our, our relatives or wherever it may be. Having Scripture directing us at a soul level as we're every day being formed to see the world as He sees it through faith in Christ Jesus, to see ourselves as He sees us. We start truly doing good work when we're there. It flows from a good relationship with Jesus as the Holy Spirit teaches us these words of Scripture, and it makes us wise for salvation. And holy cow, is it so hard to even know what is true today? Like, I mean, I, our cultural moment, having everyone's truth, that's your truth, I have my own truth, and all that stuff, that it just feels so cloudy and confusing in our culture, and to say, hey, as you walk with Jesus and his word is forming you, you become wise for salvation. And man, how great over the decades for us to grow in being wise people because, because the, true, the one who says, I am the truth and the way and the life is the one that is, that is leading us, the one that's on the move here. As our lives are being in Jesus, feasting on Scripture, we become wise for salvation. As the Bible, as we read the Bible and the Bible reads us, directing us to Him. So, so instead of being lovers of pleasure, lovers of God. Instead of being men and women who have forgotten God, we're part of the you, however, following Him, following His teachings, receiving true power to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. Um, man, if, if you walked in here saying, man, I don't know much about Jesus. I, I think maybe he doesn't like me or maybe he has like 50 years of penance that I need to do before I could even approach him or whatever it may be. Know what his invitation to you is, is to come and to have life. He gave his life for you so that you could have life. He spent 1,109 chapters telling you that He loves you, He is for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, that the invitation is to come. The only prayer that I know of in the Bible where He promises, I will answer that immediately every time, whoever prays that, is whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our sin separates us from Him in an eternal way. Believing in Him, placing our lives in His hands, He is alive and well. He says, I save you. I forgive you. I take your sin as far as the east is from the west. You leave as a free person, free to love me, free to follow me, free to be transformed by me. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to walk down the aisle. You just have to say, I'm yours. 
in the way that you say it from, from, from you, from the real you, I am yours, save me. And he will say, yes, you are saved. And what we do, a way that we commune with him, he designed this for us, is, is communion is us communing with him. It's not us leaving trying to try harder. It's us saying, I want these things to be true of me. I want these things to be more true of me today than they were yesterday. And the only way that can happen is for me coming to you and saying, do those things in me. Lord, form me to, to be the person that you want for me on mission in our community. And so as we come to the table, we're coming to him. Uh, we're taking bread uh, for those who are serving communion to you. The way they'll do is they'll have uh, some gloves on, they'll, they'll rip some bread, and then if you come up with your hands like this, they'll place bread in your hands and say, this is the body of Jesus given for you. And we, every single person receives it because he gave his life for every single one of us. Let that be a sacred moment. Then take wine or juice. Obey your conscience in that, representing the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, I would say don't come to the table. Come to Jesus. Let today be the day of salvation for you. And then come to the table later today or come to the table next week. If you are a follower of Jesus, um, we're encouraged in Scripture not to rush to the table, but to first uh, let the Lord search us, repent of sin that we may have, and then confidently come to the table. So let's respond to the Lord.